Hey church, Pastor Adam here, and I want to say thank you so much for stopping by to join us for Church Online today. And, and while we are super stoked that you're hanging out with us this morning, we do want to remind you that really this is just is supplemental. And man, it just cannot replace the local church in your life. And so look, we hope that you are encouraged and, and challenged and shaped by today's message that's being preached. Uh, but, but also, we don't want to be uh, your substitute. Uh, for the local church body that you should be involved in. We really do believe that the local church is God's plan A in reaching the world. So with that being said, please come hang out with us in person uh, one Sunday. If you're in Paducah in the area, come hang out with us to get some rest or find a local Bible-believing, Jesus-preaching church that you can get plugged in and connected to. Uh, Jesus loves the church and, and we love Jesus and, and we believe that we can better serve uh, Jesus, if we love his church well. So, welcome to rest. ...and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, or envying one another. You see, a lot of times in Christianity, we think, we got to work harder to be that better person, right? We got to work harder to be more like God. But what I come to tell you is this. It's not about working harder. It's about walking closer with the Spirit. It's not about working harder. It's about walking closer with the Spirit. Let's pray and we'll get into this, all right? God, we thank you for this day. Uh, God, we pray that you just break down these hearts and uh, soften them. And let your word come to fruition in their life. God, we just thank you. For everything that you do for us. Um, God, you're so good, and we're so glad we got to be here this morning. So you're going to pray. Amen. So we're going to skip the first two verses, 16, 17, and 18, and we're going to go straight into 19. Um, and I'm not going to take a long time here, just because I don't have to teach you how to be bad, right? You're born that way. We were born sinners. Like, I don't have to, I never had to sit my kid down and go, oh, when mommy says no, Noah, come ask daddy. He just does it every day after work, right? Like, he comes up to me and he goes, dad, can I have some candy? And I'm like, the fact that you're whispering just makes me think your mom just told you no. So that's a definite no for me. Like, I don't have to teach him to be bad. I don't have to teach you to be bad. Uh, so verse 19 through 20, we're going to read these. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul is saying in these three verses that all this stuff that I'm about to list is directly opposed to everything that God wants for you and everything that God does, right? So I hear this question all the time, right? Pastor Isaac, is drinking a sin? And my first answer is this. My first question, I go, how old are you? If they go, oh, I'm 17. I go, uh, Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's against the law of the land. Sin, right? If they go, oh, I'm over 21, I go, no. You can have a couple drinks, and you're good, right? You're, you're an adult. Jesus drank wine. Like, if Jesus sinned, then what are we doing here? You know what I'm saying? So, you can drink. Don't get drunk. It doesn't say that drinking is a sin. It says drink, drunkenness is a sin. It doesn't say that sex is a sin, right? It says sex outside of marriage or in orgies is a sin, right? So, 
Can I get an amen from all the married people? Like, sex is a great thing. <laughs> See, good thing, right? You do it outside of marriage, not so great. Um, but what they're really asking me to do, right, is they're going, hey, can you just draw a line in the sand? And if this side's good and this side's bad, I want to be as close as possible to sinning without sinning. And it's the wrong point of view to have. It's the wrong point of view. So what we need to be looking at is how can I stay as far away as possible from that line? So 2 Corinthians 11, 14 through 15, I think it's going to be on the screen, says this, And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Everything good that God has done in this world, Satan has tried to copy, mimic, or counterfeit, right? So, for example, being filled with the Holy Spirit versus being filled with demon possessions, right? Um, God speaks truth. Satan speaks lies. We got the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we got uh, the unholy Trinity, Satan, the beast, and the false prophet. And we see this fruit of the Spirit versus the works of the flesh. We see the same thing. We see the same thing. We got the fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to say fruits of the Spirit every now and then, Cody. I know it's not what it is, and I know it's going to drive you nuts, but let it go, man. It's all right. <laughs> it's very different, okay? So we got the fruit of the Spirit versus the work of the flesh, right? And we see it all the time in modern culture and everything, right? That's why it's the same reason that we have fake Jordans. We got fake Rolexes. We got fake Gucci, fake Prada. We got all this fake stuff because anything that is valuable, right, they're going to copy it. We got fake money floating around everywhere. I've never gotten one, but it'd be cool to just be like, oh, no, you're denied. So you get denied, whatever. Um, but church, is there any area in your life right now where you're believing and trusting in something fake, something false, it's so hard to remind you, that is you without God. So now that we've talked about all the wrong ways to live, right, all the wrong things to do, um, we're going to go into this thing called the fruit of the Spirit. Um, the fruit of the Spirit, in simple terms, is you with God, right? And uh, I want to preface that. I'm sa- I may be saying the fruits of the Spirit, okay, but it is the fruit of the Spirit because Paul is not saying that there are different fruits, right? He's saying that there are different characteristics of the fruit. So we are going through the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, all right? What he's not saying is that if you, want, if you have one or two of these things, you're good. He's not saying that. He's not saying if you've got uh, gentleness and joy, you're good, right? No, you, it's all or nothing with these You're equipped with every single one of these characteristics when you know Christ. Um, through grace, you're equipped with these. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So these are nine snapshots of what our God looks like, right? This is what he is. This is everything that he is. Um, And today I want us to kind of like see where we're at, okay? I want us to kind of measure ourselves. So if you've got a phone or you've got a notebook, get it out. And I want you to write down those nine things that Jesus listed, okay? I want you to kind of grade yourself as you go through this because that's what I did all this week. And it was a good time. 
It really makes you look at yourself and go, oh, how good of a person am I really? Um, but do you remember when you were a kid and you got the report cards? You know, like for the next two weeks, uh, it'd either make or break your life. Like if you had good grades, maybe your grandma would go, here's a $5 bill, honey. Good job. And you're like, thanks, grandma. And then if you had a bad grades, you got to deal with the parents, right? And they're like, go to your room. You're grounded. No TV. Parents, we're the worst. Um, so I want you to take your thing out and write those nine things down. Um, I'm going to read them out one more time. There are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay? And I'll go through each of them, every one of them. So if you don't have them all right now, we'll get them later. Um, first one is this. It's love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. How can somebody even begin to grade themselves on love, right? Um, the first verse that came to mind for me was Romans 5.8. Uh, Romans 5.8 says this, But God shows His love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That in and of itself is love. That's what love is. That's what it looks like. The whole time, God knows exactly Every horrible thing that every one of us would ever do, every horrible thing that we do against God, right? And he still sends Jesus to die. While we were still sinners, while we were still the enemies of God, Jesus died. So I don't know how easy it is, right, to love others who don't like you or love others who talk bad about you or... Love others who critique everything you do, right? It's hard to do. And I felt like I was good at it until I looked at it from that aspect of, do I love the people that hate me? Because it's easy to love the people who love you. Think about the fact that Jesus died for Saul while he was murdering Christians. I don't know that I could take someone that's murdering all of my friends and family and all of my family in Christ and go, oh yeah, I forgive you. That's hard to do, right? But Jesus did it. There's a quote that says, if God's love for his children is to be measured by wealth, health, and comfort in this life, then God hated the Apostle Paul. That's John Piper. He said that. And it makes sense because you have some churches that preach this prosperity gospel of like, everything's going to go great. I hate to break it to you, but there are several people who can attest in this church that not everything goes great. It is rough following Jesus sometimes. What could possibly make this news make any sense? It's only the gospel. Because through the gospel... I saw this on John's Facebook the other day. As Paul was walking into heaven, all the people that he murdered were cheering him on. Isn't that crazy? Could you imagine cheering for the guy who murdered you for what you believed in, but now he believes in it? Get out of here. So I want you to take a second and just go ahead and grade yourself on love. You can do it quick. It ain't hard. Be honest with yourself. The next is joy. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. And y'all remember that song? I got the joy, 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 joy. Yeah, we're going to see how much joy you got in that little heart of yours, all right? Um, James 1, 2 through 3 says this. Count it all joy, my brothers, 
When you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. When people think of joy, they tend to think of happiness. Joy and happiness, right? They go hand in hand. Almost like they're synonymous, but they're not. Right? Happiness is this temporary thing. Like, if you won a million dollars, you'd be happy. Whenever the tax man comes to the door, you're not going to be happy. Because you're going to go from, if it's just a million dollars, you were a millionaire right then. I'm a millionaire. This is awesome. This is what I worked for. Tax man comes. You're no longer a millionaire. So people place this joy and, and this happiness and like, oh, I'm a millionaire. And then 10 minutes later, they could not be a millionaire. Uh, another example. I'm a fat boy, so I got to I gotta put this one out there. You go to Dairy Queen, right? And you're going to get your blizzard, your favorite one. You're like, oh, man, I love that blizzard. So good. And you get there and you order it and they go, oh, that was seasonal. You're not so happy, right? <laughs> Can I get an amen? Yeah, it's enough that your happiness is gone. You're over it. But joy, joy is this thing that keeps us going, right? When things aren't great, uh, when life's hard, when you're getting beat with difficult circumstance after difficult circumstance, joy keeps us going even in the bad spots. It's the reason why we can come in here on Sunday morning and even when everything looks like hell on the outside, you can stand here with your arms raised praising God, right? Hebrews 12.2 says this, For the joy set before him, Jesus, that is, he endured the cross, despising his shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It wasn't a happy moment for Jesus. I'm sure he wasn't the happiest person to be stripped naked, right, and beat and hung on a cross, naked, all in front of his mom. Like, it was not a happy moment. But through the joy... He endured it. Joy only comes from walking in step with the Spirit. And I've seen it in my own life, right? Like, when you're in it, you know, you're on fire for God. And you're going, I'm listening to Caleb every day. I'm praying every day, all day. And I'm reading these scriptures. You can feel it, right? It goes throughout your life. And in the same way, when you're not, you know it. Because when I'm in step with the Spirit and everything's growing right, you can cut me off in traffic. I'd be like, maybe you're just having an emergency. Catch me on a bad week and I might throw hands. You never know. When happiness becomes the standard for judging truth, the things that make me happy will always give me permission to do the things that are wrong. But if I'm walking towards joy... That's a whole different standard altogether, right? Standard goes with me all the time, or joy goes with me all the time. At this current point in my life, I feel like I'm doing pretty good in joy. So you go ahead and grade yourself, and uh, we'll move on to the next one. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Everybody say shalom. shalom. All right. Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace. All right. And it is uh, when people feel safe, right? They feel like everything's a harm. Everything's going right. You're in peace. But in a world full of war and hate and cancel culture, where in the world are we supposed to get peace? 
Am I right? It's a wild time. Our peace has to come from Jesus. And he offers peace. Listen to this, church. It surpasses all understanding. That's a supernatural peace that defies human understanding. Are you the person in your friend group that brings shalom? Or are you the person who's wreaking havoc? Who's tearing it apart? And you can't really be in the middle. You can't go, oh, sometimes I'm peaceful. Sometimes I'm wreaking havoc. Because if you're not bringing peace to it, you're just letting it happen, right? You're letting the, the havoc continue. Now, when I think of peace, I think of my stepmom, right? Because she don't ever want anybody in our family beefing over nothing. She's always the person who's like, come on, we'll figure it out. Come on, guys. And I strive to be more like that every day. But um, if you're a believer, let me remind you that you are that person. You are the glue that holds it all together, right? Because Christ is the glue that holds us all together. So give yourself a grade on your shalom. Say shalom again. Y'all ever seen the movie Big Daddy with Adam Sandler? Anybody. Okay, cool, cool. All right, so do y'all remember that scene where the little kid that he's like adopted in kind of, he's trying to like raise him and he has no business raising a child, right? And he's like, I'm going to raise this kid. And the kid comes up to him after his nap and he's like, I want to listen to the kangaroo song. And he's got it on a VHS. Some of you kids don't even know what that is. I'm young. It's all he had Disney on his VHS. He's like, I want to listen to the kangaroo song. And Adam Sandler goes, this is the hockey game. This is like overtime. We're down to penalty shots. We don't have time for that. You're supposed to still be sleeping. And the kid's like, kangaroo song, kangaroo song, kangaroo song. And he goes, all right. That's what I feel like most days with my children. Like, I feel that now. I never understood it before. I was like, man, he's so angry. This kid just wants to... No, I get it. You're in for a treat, fellas. I'm a lady, fellas. Um, but I couldn't help but to think about all the silly things, right, that I've prayed to God. Because Noah would be like, daddy, 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 daddy. And I'm trying to have a serious conversation with his mom. And he's like, daddy, 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 daddy. And I'm like, what? He's like, I farted. And I'm like, Great. <laughs> And those are the things that make me go, I don't really have the patience that I think I have. (laughs) But then I stop and think about all the times that I prayed some silly little prayer to God, right? Like right now we're going through this youth room up here and we're repainting it, doing all kinds of stuff, getting ready for it. And I'm like, God, just let it be done. Let it be done. Let it be done. Right? And I feel like God's not going to be like, hey, uh, yeah, let me put the kids on Africa and hold who are starving so we can get your youth room ready. And it's a harsh reality, right? Like I go, oh, I think I got patience. But I don't treat me, I don't treat Noah as good as God treats me, right? He's so patient with me. And like when you pray for your team to win, right? And God's like, oh yeah, we're, we got people in Asia who can't, you know, meet at churches and they're going underground to do it. But let me make sure Patrick Mahomes throws that touchdown pass. Like... He's patient with us. He hears us and he cares about everything, even our little prayers. And when we find ourselves being impatient with others, we have no choice as believers but to look back at all the second and the third and the fourth and the 77th chances that our God gave to us, right? And if he can do that for us, how can we not do that for others? So when you grade yourself on this, Don't be like me. Don't think, oh, I got this. Because odds are you probably don't got it. 
So take your time and, and put it down and grade yourself real quick. Next is the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. I almost put kindness and goodness together, but they are a little different. Um, they each have their own unique differences. And that kindness is how you treat others, right? Kindness is how I treat Connor. Like if I treat Connor with kindness, I'm treating him with kindness. But if I'm good, I'm choosing to do what is good, right? So I kind of split these up here, kindness. Luke 6.31 says this, and so you wish it, and so you wish that, and so, and, wow. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. This is like the golden rule in school, right? Every teacher, treat others how you want to be treated. They just conveniently didn't put a, a Luke 631 at the end of it. You know, they didn't want that in there. Um, but when I think about kindness, I think about Jesus because he, I think of a leper, you know, the leper that he heals, because he could have just said, hey, you're healed, go on, right? But these lepers, they get cast away from society. No one can touch them. Um, you can't be near them, right? Or else you're cast out with them. So Jesus, instead of just going, you're healed and taken off, he touches them, right? He touched the untouchable and he loved the unlovable through that one small act of kindness. This could have been the first time that this man had been touched in years, Gotta get a drink. Let's joke. Um, and as you forward in the Bible a little bit to Paul, Second <clears throat> Corinthians six, Paul was being challenged by some people, and they pretty much, and he pretty much tells them, "Hey, you want proof that I'm a Christian or I'm a disciple of Jesus? Here it is. I'm nice." And that's pretty wild, right? Like, see, biblical kindness isn't always easy because we are called to be generous to others even when they're not kind to us. Just as God is generous to us, generous to us even when we're not generous to Him. And it isn't always pleasant, right? Like, I don't have to be pleasant in kindness, okay? Uh, for example, Jesus calls the Pharisees a brood of, of, of vipers, right? Not very pleasant. It's not something you want to hear. But he tells them it, and it was kind. There's a quote that I read uh, this week, and it said this, um, a kind physician still has to cut deep to remove your cancer. So he's doing a kind thing, right? But he's got to cut deep. And sometimes in our own lives, whenever we're sinning and we're doing things wrong, sometimes someone's got to come along and go, hey, you big idiot, you're messing up, you know? And it doesn't sound kind, it doesn't sound pleasant, but... That is kindness, revealing our own sin to us when we can't see it. So grade yourself on kindness. How are you doing? Number six, the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Galatians 6, 9 through 10 says this, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, well, let's do good to everyone, and especially those who are of the household of faith. You know, with my kids in student ministry, sometimes I'll tell them, like, I love you, be good. You know what I'm saying? Every time they leave, that's what I tell them. I love you, be good, right? And I shouldn't say be good, right? Because that's not what I mean. Because what I really mean is stay out of trouble. And for some of them, that's even a task. We have watered down the meaning of be good to just stay out of trouble. 
What if Jesus just stayed out of trouble? What if that's all he did? He didn't go around doing good. He just, they said, Paul told him, hey, be good. Well, not Paul, because he was, you know, after that. But one of his disciples said, hey, be good. And Jesus was like, all right. And all he meant was stay out of trouble, right? What if he just walked around and just stayed out of trouble? Peter talks about how God, and this is in Acts 10, 38. You don't have to turn there. Um, but how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil because God was with him, right? Um, Jesus didn't just stay out of trouble. He actually went out and did good. So when I tell my youth kids, hey, just be good, I should really be saying do good or I should be saying stay out of trouble. Could you imagine if Jesus just missed every opportunity to help someone to do good for them. I mean, it wouldn't be as great of a story, right? Like, you wouldn't have all these miracles happening if Jesus just stayed out of trouble. So when you go through your week and we're just staying out of trouble, head down, going, right? We're missing so many opportunities to do good for someone. So give yourself a grade on goodness. Or do you think you fall? Number seven, Faithfulness. The fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. To be faithful is to be reliable, right? And man, when I think of faithfulness, there is one family in this church that I think of that is just faithful to the T, and that's the Cruz family. Um, and if you don't know their story, I'm going to give you a little backstory. Uh, I may not do it enough justice as to what it was. Um, but CJ and Kate, they have four kids. Uh, they got three boys and one little girl named Hallelujah. And she was diagnosed with neuroblastoma, which is a form of cancer that sometimes forms in uh, infants and younger children. Um, and cancer is never easy, right? But much less when it's in your little girl, right? That's a, that's a heartbreaker. Um, alongside all that, I mean, Kate was having issues with her vision. Uh, she was going blind sometimes in her eyes, I think. Uh, and their roof had to have some big repairs. Kate also was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, both their vehicles broke down. And had to be replaced. They were going back and forth, week to week, to doctor to doctor, right? Um, but Kate and CJ, they handled it like a boss. Like, they handled it. When many people would have set their Bible down or stepped out of church and never looked at it again, it seems like all they did was walk closer with the Spirit and worship harder, right? You could look at their Facebook and it was always these praise reports, and their praise reports, man, it was just awesome that they had such a great point of view and what most people consider a horrible circumstance. They didn't see it for that. They saw it as, as God working in their life. So kudos to you guys. Y'all are the bomb. Second Thessalonians 3.3 3 says this, But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. When I think about faithfulness, it's easy to be faithful when things are easy, you know? It's easy to stick around in a marriage when things are going great. It's hard to stay around in a marriage for people when things aren't going great, you know? So in the same way, it's easy to remain faithful to God and remain faithful to other people when everything's going great. But how do you do when crap hits the fan, when havoc is everywhere? Go ahead and write your faithfulness grade down.
The fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. Jesus was a towering figure of gentleness, right? One of the stories that comes to mind is in John 8, um, when the Pharisees have brought this woman to Jesus who was caught in adultery. And they say, uh, the law of Moses says stone her, right? Kill her right here. What do you say? And Jesus doesn't pick up a rock and go, let's do it! That's not what he does. He bends over and he starts writing in the sand, right? And nobody really knows what he wrote down, but I'm sure it was awesome. Whether he was going, here's what you did, here's what you did, here's what you did, pointing out to the Pharisees, nobody knows, but I'm sure it was great. Um, instead, he bends over and he's writing this down. And they continue to ask, and he stands up, and in verse 7 he says this, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And all at once, everyone dropped their rocks, right? Jesus was gentle with this woman. When the religious leaders of the time wanted to murder her, he said, if any of you are without sin, go ahead and throw a rock. He said, none of you are perfect, right? And you know, people are so quick to pass judgment on others. Um, and they know nothing about their life, where they came from, how they grew up. Nothing like that. And they just want to jump to conclusions like a kangaroo on a trampoline, you know? Corny, I know. Um, let me ask you this. If you met a prostitute, what would your first thought be? If you're being honest, probably be like, oh my gosh, that's so gross. Or how could they do that, you know? But you didn't see her growing up. You didn't see that person growing up. Uh, you didn't see the childhood she had. You didn't see the things that her dad did to her, or the things that her dad said to her that made her think, I have no value in life, right? You weren't there for that, so you don't know. You don't know what they have been through. Or maybe you didn't see the drug addict that was on the right track, everything was going great, and then he gets in a wreck, right? And then from there, he just takes the painkillers and numb the pain. <coughs> And he's good, and then other things happen in life, and all these things are going on, and you don't know how to deal with it. He goes, well, when I got in my wreck, and the painkillers numb the pain, so, I mean, I guess they'll numb it again, right? And there you go. you got an opioid addiction, right? I'm not making excuses for people, okay? That's not what I'm doing. But what I am saying is that we have to stop acting like we know everyone's story, and that we would never do that. And the way you grew up, yeah, you might not have done that because you had a pretty good life, right? Not everyone had this great upbringing that other people were blessed with. Because you see, if someone is an alcoholic, right, the bottle isn't the problem. The, the bottle's the, the solution to their problem. That's how they're dealing with the problem. What we need to do is not just point out the problem, but we need to point people to the real problem solver, Right? And that's Jesus. If you got a problem, I know a guy. I also want to add this, that we can say and do the right thing in the wrong way, right? Like, we can, we have to be gentle with others in the way we speak and what we speak to them and how we treat them. Because just as God has been gentle with us, we too should be gentle to others. Jesus was the perfect example of gentleness. In this story, he didn't punch the scribes or 
throw a rock at the scribes when he goes, oh yeah, you, you sin too, check this out. Bam, he didn't do that. He just points out the fact that no one's perfect, right? You know the drill by now. Afraid yourself, all right? I got this, I believe in you. Wrapping this last one up here. This is number nine in this, in this sequence, okay? The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In this, in this story, Jesus has been out in the wilderness for 40 days with no food, right? And he pretty much, the devil comes up to him and goes, um, If you are who I know you are, then you can just turn these uh, stones into bread, right? He wants them to play by his rules uh, and worship him and prove who he is to the devil, right? He wants him to prove himself. And Jesus says, no, right? He says, you can't live off bread alone, but by every word of God. And I'm going to be real honest with you, church. If I come off a one-day fast and that old devil comes up to me and says, hey, you're a believer in God. You're a child of God. Pray for Pray for a buffet right here in this church. Your boy's saying a golden corral prayer. All right. Self-control is a hard one. Am I right? It's easy to want to control others. It's easy to go, let me show you what you can do in your life, but and meanwhile, you're falling apart at the seams. We're really usually good at wanting to control others, uh, but learning to control the beast that is our flesh and its sinful passions by submitting it to the Spirit. It's a task. It's a real task. We are pleasure seekers by nature. That's what we want, right? People pursue pleasure. That's what we do. Like, every day. You wake up, uh, you want breakfast? You want to feel good, right? You want to do all these things and you want to feel good because of them. But self-control isn't just about being submissive. It's about learning to control your emotions, right? Uh, we get bored, we eat, we get all these other things, we get mad, we want to punch something or whatever it may be. Um, but we get this characteristics from the Spirit. And this is one of these that seems to just take a little longer to grow, you know? Self-control is tough because it, it's over a broad term. It's over how you treat people. You can control how you treat people. You can control what you put in your body. You can control every little aspect of your life, what you do, right? So grade yourself on where you think you're at. All right. I want to go back and revisit verses 16 and 17. Because we skipped over them in the beginning, and now we'll come back to them. Um, but in 16 he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So after all these products of the Spirit, what does it really mean for us to walk with the Spirit, right? To walk with the Spirit isn't about working harder. It's about walking closer, right? See, Jesus, one of my favorite things about him is that he, he never was in a hurry during his ministry. He was always calm, cool, and collected. He was running level-headed, getting kingdom work done, okay? And but I want you to just imagine if Jesus was in a hurry everywhere he went, right? 
Like, could you imagine being the guys who brought their friend through the roof? Like, they took the roof off and put their friend down. And Jesus is like, hold on, um, got to go, boys. Uh, got a four o'clock meeting to make some guys in big goofy hats look stupid. You know what I'm saying? Like, he wasn't in a hurry. He took his time and, and did what he was there to do. So how do we really walk closer with the Spirit? Um, walking closer by the Spirit is done like this. Reading your Bible. This book is a guide to your life. It has everything you need in it. To think that we as Christians can go through, or disciples, can go through life and not read this and use it every day is absolutely ludicrous. Right? To think that you don't need this book to get through your life is crazy. We walk closer by obeying the Spirit when you hear Him, right? Uh, when He is, John 10, 4 says this, When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Everybody in here has probably got kids or something, or has been a kid of somebody, obviously, right? Or else you wouldn't be here. Um, But do you remember that, like, a time when you were in Chuck E. Cheese with your kid or with your parents, right? And everything's hectic, and your parents freaking out, and they're like, oh my gosh, for me, it's where's Noah? I don't know how many times I do that. It's quite a bit. Yeah. But... I go, I'll call out, like, Noah! And what, is, what happens? That one little head pops up. He's like, what? I'm like, just making sure you're good, bro. Continue on. Keep doing your thing. But he knows my voice, right? Because he spent so much time with me in his four years. He knows my voice. Just a second ago, I was walking around out the, out the meeting up there, and my wife said, babe, wasn't even my name. And I was like, that sounds a lot like my wife. And I looked around, couldn't find her. She's like, babe. And I'm like, huh? And she's like, turn around. And I'm like, oh, there you are. Yeah, like, you know the voice of the people you spend the most time with. Do you know the voice of your heavenly father as well as you know the voice of your actual father, of your earthly father? We walk, we grow closer with the spirit and walk closer with the spirit by praying, right? Just like with a good friend. Uh, we can bring up our problems to God and ask Him for wisdom, right? We have an open line of communication to the Father through the Spirit, and yet some people rarely use it. Like we know exactly what we're doing and we got it all figured out. Get real, people. I'm going to be honest, I ain't got a clue. Verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Paul tells us here that the desires of this flesh are directly opposed to the fruit of the Spirit, right? And church's battle against the flesh are the things that keep us from doing what we know is right or what we want to do, right? You ever had the feeling like God's telling you like, hey, you need to do this or you need to do that. Whether it's buy that guy in front of you a Burger King, a, a drink, whatever it may be. It can be small, it can be huge, but, but you know it, right? Sometimes you just roll right by it like he never even said anything, right? Or sometimes you like to trick yourself and go, oh, maybe it was just me, maybe it was just my thought. But I want to input this, that if there's anything good that is glorifying Jesus Christ, it was either A, from God, or B, what's it hurt to do it? 
Just because if it gives God glory, that's what we're here to do. Give the glory to God, right? The Spirit wants good for you and tries to lead us down this righteous path, right? But the flesh seeks innocent gratification of pleasure. Every one of us were born sinners. We said that from the beginning, right? We're people who pursue pleasure. We want all the things we want, when we want it, how we want it, and we don't care if it's glorifying to God or if it's what God wants for our life or what God has set in our life. I don't care if it's against His laws or His plan for us. We just want it. We want that million dollars. We want that Ferrari, right? We want all that cool stuff. And we never even stop to go, well, let's bring God glory. You know, originally when I was going through this sermon, I was grading myself based off like the people next to me. You know what I'm saying? I was grading it based off of like, oh, how does my dad handle this? How does this person handle this? Or how does Paul, would Paul have handled this right out of the Bible? How would Paul have handled it? Or Moses murdered a he or a Egyptian for beating one of his guys, you know? And I was measuring myself up against that standard. But as I went through it, I felt like God said to me, you know, you're missing the point, man. You're not going to be compared to your peers when you stand in front of your Heavenly Father. The standard is Jesus. I don't know if you know this or not, but the standard is perfection. You're not perfect. You're not going to be perfect. We can't work harder to be perfect. But we can walk closer with the Spirit to be more like Jesus every day. So to me, I went from this, right? This was my original, what I thought I made. We pull that up. Yeah, here it is. Here's what I originally thought I had. A D plus in love, a B minus in joy. Never gave myself an A because I wasn't going to, you know, I'm not that good. Patience, C minus, kindness, B, goodness, C plus, faithfulness, B minus, gentleness, C minus, self-control, D, right? I was like, I'm doing all right. But, but the Spirit talked to me and said, hey, that's not the standard, right? The standard is perfection, and you're never going to reach it. So I went from this, doing all right, still would have got grounded for that D on there, but I went from this to this. So I failed. Right? I felt it every one of them. You felt it every one of them. The reality is this is all of our scores. We've all fallen short of the standard, right? There is no A plus, C minus when it comes to stacking up against Jesus. Jesus was perfection. It's either you knew Jesus or you didn't. Right? When you get to heaven, he's going to go, how'd you do in love? How'd you do in this? How'd you do in this? He's going to go, did you know Jesus? Did you know my son? With every head bowed and every eye closed, to the Christian, man, I just want to encourage you. Because the good news is, is you have the fruit of the Spirit, right? You have these characteristics. 
tough part is this. The fruit doesn't grow overnight. Just like little Isaac waiting on that peach tree, man. It doesn't happen overnight. They take time, right? They take time walking close with the Spirit. You cannot work harder to be more godly, but you can walk closer with the Spirit. And through that, you become more like Christ. It can take up to eight years for an apple tree to produce good fruit. In the same way, some of these characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, man, they're going to take time. You're not going to be the most patient individual overnight. But remember, it's not working harder. It's walking closer. Join in this room who hasn't received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Um, the bad news is that you don't have the fruit of the Spirit in you. You may have some characteristics of it, but you don't have the fruit of the Spirit. You have like this fake fruit that like your grandma used to have on her little bowl, you know. It looked pretty. Boy, it sure looked pretty. But it wasn't good for anything other than looks. John 15, 1 through 2 says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Jesus is the vine that you're missing. If you're sitting here this morning, you go, man, I just feel like I'm missing something. I don't know what it is. I'll tell you what it is. You're missing Jesus. And he loves you. He loves you so much that even while you were his enemy, he died for you. That's the kind of love that our God has for us. So if that's you today, and you say, I'm missing something in my life. I believe it's Jesus that you're missing. I just want you to pray that prayer real quick with me. Just pray a prayer with me real quick. God, I know I've fallen short. I know I'll never match the standard of perfection that is Jesus Christ. But God, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior today. God, change me through your spirit to be more like your son every day. I'm a sinner. I believe in your son. And I know I've done wrong. Amen.